right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you. Empty out your wallets, Joe and Kamala and the socialist democratic radicals. They want every single cent you got left. Um, well, it's the it's 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 a tipping point, pivotal moment for the country. That's for sure. And 2022 is is fast approaching, and it's going to matter more than any other election in our lifetime. And I've said that many times in in the course of hosting this program over 33 years. Why is why did what do you mean, Hannity? Republicans barely have a path now to stop this radicalism. They barely have it. They don't have to. 50 Republicans, if they stay united, not, that is not a given in any way, especially when you have Ben Sass, the jackass, and Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski as part of your coalition of the Republican Party. You, know, you, don't, you don't see Democrats break, break ranks often. Joe Manchin is trying somewhat, but he's you know not really succeeding. But Republicans, if they did stick together and any of these issues that the Democrats want to push that is a power grab that Joe didn't spend any time talking about last night in this meandering, dull, boring, ridiculously boring speech um, full of a socialist wish list. I mean, this speech was this. This is what I would expect from uh, President Ocasio-Cortez, the squad. He's adopted Bernie Sanders agenda completely. And but that was what the Bernie Biden manifesto was all about. But I would not expect that anybody would would I, I, that I never thought in my lifetime we've had such we'd have such a radical list of of radical socialist ideas uh, in this country, because this is exactly what it is. You know, just take out a calculator. You don't need an MIT degree. And you're going to add up the numbers and you're going to find uh, six trillion dollars. And that's only just the start. Never mind the power grab behind it, H.R. 1, uh, on top of the Politicians' Corruption Act. Then when you have uh, court packing, and then D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, ending the legislative filibuster, and everything in between. The most radical agenda ever. And we'll get into the specifics of this and what it means, but it does make 2022 that much more important. Republicans have a great opportunity to take back the House of Representatives, and the equation would dramatically shift just by that happening. The Republicans, now there are important Senate races where we've got to follow. You've got, starting with Florida, starting with Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, New Hampshire, then you've got Ohio, then you've got Wisconsin. Ron Johnson will join us later in the program today. And then, then you've got Arizona. You're not going to get a bigger bellwether for 2024 than now. But the but the choice is clear. You've got radical socialism, statism, authoritarianism, redistributionism, Marxism. I don't care what name you want to give it. They're all appropriate. They all work. They've all been tried before. This is a good point that Bill Maher had made. Millennials, you know, sure, they, it sounds great. Everything's going to be free. They act like this has never been tried before because it's never happened in their lifetime. The fact is it's been tried many times and it's never been successful. You know, I love how people think that well, we're not going to tax anybody that makes under $400,000 a year. Well, he screwed up that number again because that's per couple. He said individual. It's per couple. That's anybody that makes over $200,000 a year. How do you define rich? 
And then when they raise the capital gains tax, when they raise the corporate income tax uh, that they have to pay, corporations don't pay taxes or they, they work as hard as they possibly can to avoid them. And they do it by passing on the cost of the goods and services that they offer to the consumer. That would be you, we, the American people. You have a group of Democrats, Republicans coming to this brilliant idea on how to pay for this infrastructure. And everything is now infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Free college is infrastructure. I, stupid me, I always thought it was roads and bridges and the likes and dams and things like that. No. Any, anything on the Green New Deal socialist wish list is infrastructure. So $6 trillion, nobody's paying a whole lot of attention. We do have to digress a second. It was, Linda, didn't they tell us to follow the science on the coronavirus? Right, Joe said, listen oh, to the yeah. great Dr. Fauci. Okay. But didn't they, but they didn't had Joe say again last night, every American can now get vaccinated. You need to get a vaccination. Dr. Joe told us last night. That's what Joey said. That's what Joey said last night. I thought, okay, so I'm not, my ears were not deceiving me. Okay, so now, didn't Congress have access to this vaccine? Every member, when it first came out, and, and we're talking back December last year, they had access to the vaccine, right? Oh, yeah. And most of them got the vaccine, right? Well, you know, Joey forgot that. Then he remembered again. Okay. Well, and yeah, I saw that he wouldn't even give a tip of the hat to Operation Warp Speed and President Trump. All right. Now, if everybody there had access to the vaccine that they're pushing all of you to, to get, and by the way, I'm not anti-vaccine at all, just the opposite. I believe in science. I believe in all these things. I'm just, I just refuse to be your doctor and tell you what you should do. I think you have to investigate, read, research, learn, and I would seek out as many medical opinions that you trust in your life. I don't know your unique health situation, but that's a decision between you and your doctor that should be private and really it's none of my business so i don't ask people if they're vaccinated and now that you have the choice so if they all had the vaccine then why did why was everyone in a mask and why was everybody socially distanced like we'd never seen before chamber that can hold up to 1600 people had 200 people in it now i i did they not tell us that 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 getting vaccinated would allow us to get back to normal and get to herd immunity, and et cetera. They told us that, right, Linda? I'm not making this up. Not at all. Right. Just like Dr. Fauci said in March of last year, oh, a mask isn't going to help you, right? He said that. Maybe that's one right. droplet, but that's about it. Nobody should be wearing masks in America. And then that evolved into one mask and now two masks. And now, you know, you can't go indoors. You can't go outdoors without the, I mean, okay. So then why did everyone get the vaccine? If the idea of the vaccine, they, they talk about its efficacy, correct? That it's it prevents people from getting COVID-19, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, I just would like an explanation. I'm just asking simple questions here because I thought that was a little odd. Well, forget the NIH published that study in January, too, that they buried that said not to wear a mask. They don't do anything. Well, that, that was isn't the that point. Fauci's little group, the NIH? I would. That's the last I heard. Yeah, that's correct. The great Dr. Fauci. OK, amazing. Um. Anyway, before we get to all of this and, and the the insane policies, and we, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the course of the program today, it is amazing to me the reaction of Senator Tim Scott. And uh, we've known, and everybody that listens to this program knows he's a friend of this program. He comes on regularly. He'll be on Hannity tonight. And, you know, when he said, and I'll play this for you, America is not a racist country, and 
when he used the line, grandfather went from cotton to college in a generation. Listen to what he said. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. We are all in this together and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. The country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. Now, you notice he said it's not a racist country. He's not denying the evils of slavery. He is talking about where the country, the beauty of our founders and framers that I've said so many times is the fact that they designed a system where we can right wrongs and correct injustices, and we have a history of doing so, and 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 he understands. He say he's not saying there aren't racists in this country. There are ignorant racist people that no intelligent person wants anything to do with, ever, because it's repugnant. It's evil, frankly, if you want my opinion. And he. It's just fascinating, and what he was saying with that is that is the the imperfect as the human experience is, is that we've been able to right wrongs and correct injustices because of the system that we have, and that that she's talking about the system that allows for the 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 growth, the progress, the change. Now, do we have far to go? Sure, I agree with that. Have we come far? Yeah, we have. But we have further to go. He's not denying that either. Listen to what he says about how he has been called the N-word by progressives and liberals this moment. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around a store while I'm shopping. I remember... Every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land generations before my time. The reaction of liberals to this is fascinating. Well, I'm going to actually have a long debate about a lot of this in the next hour with Pastor Scott and Kareem Lanier and Leo 2.0. Now, listen to what he said. Now, then you go over to MSDNC. This is NBC News. Listen to Joy Reid. This was standard Republican pabulum. This could have been delivered by Tom Cotton or Mike Lee. America's not a racist country. There's no racism here. It's, it, I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. I, his audience to me appeared to be conservative, uh, white Republicans who were angry over certain things of cancel culture and the same sort of cultural nods that we hear on Fox News. And he was out here to throw them a lifeline. It was disappointing. He never said, hang on, he never said that there's no racism. That's not what he said. 
Now, this is the same Joy Reid that called Clarence Thomas Uncle Clarence, the same Joy Reid that called Tim Scott a token. Listen to this. If somehow they manage to stumble into the Supreme Court, do any of you guys trust Uncle Clarence and Amy Coney Barrett and those guys to actually follow the letter of the law? No. While your appointment is seen by some as a measure of progress, others have called you a... mere token, elevated only to show that the GOP has gotten the diversity memo it missed this past election. But I do hope that as a senator, you'll prove those who call you a token wrong. You gotta love the uh, Tim Scott standing there to provide the patina of diversity over that uh, round of words, that uh, basket full of words. That's NBC News. NBC News is allowing that. In this day and age of cancel culture, wokeness, sensitivity wow i wonder how savannah guthrie lester holt feels about their big news brand megan mccain had a a good line she said don't talk to me about racism if you think these comments about geared towards tim scott are okay it's a pretty good pretty good analysis i thought um you, you know twitter allowed uncle tim to trend on twitter the same, you know, every conservative that I now know is either banned, suspended, or suspended temporarily, then permanently banned. How did uh, your friend at Jack allow that to happen, Linda? You know at Jack. Does he still respond to your t- your emails? I doubt it. You know, after after he started growing his hair long and uh, showing up looking like a space cadet at congressional hearings, we, we stopped really talking, i got to be honest. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but they let that trend. Now, they finally, I guess, stopped it eventually. But I thought they had people that monitor this every day. Wasn't that the big complaint about um, some of these other alternatives out there? That they don't respond quick enough to pull down things that are deemed inappropriate or whatever. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, that there shouldn't be some standards. I, I just, I, it well, really I mean, they blocked that- Trump and Kaylee McEnany and left up the supreme leader of Iran. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that sends a clear message. It's it's an amazing American success story about progress we've made. Nobody's saying we have to we have we don't have more progress to make as a country. Anyway, Tim Scott said earlier today, he said intolerance so often comes from the left with words like Uncle Tim or the N word being used against me. He said this last night. What was trending in social media was Uncle Tim. They doubled down on the concept of liberal oppression. It was it's stunning in 2021 that those that speak about ending discrimination want to end it with more discrimination, he said. They've doubled down on what they're going to make, not attack my policies, but they're literally attacking the color of my skin, he added. And he said, yeah, racism, discrimination is real, but it's pushed further and further into small corners of our nation. Remember the moment with Clarence Thomas, high tech lynching. Powerful moment that was. And I'm just, you know, I just I look at, you know, how does how does Joe Biden, who represents Delaware for over 50 years, has a far more restrictive voting system than Georgia's new law, which 17 days early voting drop boxes everywhere, none of which they have in Delaware. Both have voter ID as a requirement. You need a reason to get even an absentee ballot. But he says Jim Crow 2.0. And that's okay. The media doesn't call him out. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. If you didn't think you, 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 you needed to know more about cigarettes. Now, this is very strange to me. 
Linda, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't they kind of legalizing weed in most states now for recreational use, right? They are. They are. And they still allow the smokable version, correct? Although I guess they have the the famous or infamous gummies and all the other stuff, right? Yes. Okay. So they, but now they announced at the FDA that they're beginning the process of banning menthol tobacco cigarettes and all flavored cigars. Now, I'm just wondering, does, do, do, does nicotine alter to the extent that THC does one's consciousness and make one hide? I don't think so. Might Is it a stimulant? Sure. Is it like a cup of coffee? I would say it's probably like a cup of coffee or let's say an energy drink. Was that a fair assessment? I would agree with you a thousand percent on that. Okay. Everybody you think knows at this point in life that smoking is bad for you and there's enough warnings on a pack of cigarettes that this could be dangerous for your health, could cause lung cancer, right? Yeah. Most people don't. Okay. So why do we need the government telling us what we can and cannot do in our lives? Where where are the libertarians and the freedom? Where's the freedom wing of the Democratic Party? I mean, first they tell us they don't want us to buy a big gulp. And then we can't have salt shakers on a restaurant. You have to ask for salt. I can't eat anything without putting salt on. I put salt on ice cream for crying out loud. I don't, but I'm just making a point. Um, do I put salt on pretty much everything I eat? Yes. Everywhere we go. How much salt do you see me use? A lot, right? I mean, considering that people gave you salt sticks for Christmas, I think it says something about you. I think, I think that <laughs> no, that's a sign. No, Ethan gave me salts from around the world. All different colors. Yeah, and but crystals. listeners have sent in salt sticks like that you give to deer. They oh, sent yeah, them they're in awesome. For you. They mean it. No. Yeah. I mean, is this really what we need our government to be a part of? Well, I have At- a theory on this. What? I think that people are excited about getting their stimulus checks and getting their government handout. And while li- living on the government dole, they don't want to disrupt the handout. So they'll just do whatever they're told. And that's what's happening. That's why we got the, the, robots in our Where was that McDonald's that was paying 50 bucks a person to just to come in to get interviewed for the job? It's insanity. The whole work bucks. ethic is gone. It's disgusting. I, I, you know, I could, I'll tell you the worst thing that can happen in life. Everyone says this. You know, oh, it'd be great if I could just go fishing every day. I know more people that have retired and regret it in my life than people that Look have retired. Look at all the people that pass away because they feel like they've got yeah, nothing right to live for. You know, it's it's pretty unbelievable. There, even if you're retired, the people that seem to do best are those that stay active, and that those that stay that have a purpose, those that volunteer at a homeless shelter, or uh, you know, a lot of places now food shelters. Our local food shelters needs help all the time, and and that stay active or go help old people or whatever, help vets, whatever they happen to do. You have a sense of life's purpose. You, you know, the idea that you just get to do everything you want all day may sound great, but once you're doing it, you're going to get bored pretty quick. It'd begin to suck after a while. Um, I don't know what else that I can really add to what is the obvious about about Joe Biden and his radical agenda and the things that he didn't mention. I did think Congresswoman Bobert, who's out there, she had one of those those space blankets that we see in Joe's cages for kids down at the Southern border. I thought that was pretty clever, actually amazing and pretty funny. Um, I saw Liz Cheney racing over to elbow Joe, the ever frail one. And people say, see Hannity, he got through the speech. How can you not get through a speech like that? When, when you look at the actual time that he speaks, it's not very long and it stopped every five seconds um, for applause. 
I mean, they think they stopped it 57 times in 60 whatever minutes that he gave the speech last night. You know, if if the idea that you think Joe Biden is a moderate, if you had any questions that last night, that should all go away. You know, Joe Biden pushed his hard, radical left socialist redistribution, Marxist leftist statist authoritarianism agenda. That's top to bottom, starting with pre-K, ending with college, free, free, everything's free. It was the squad's agenda, the new Green Deal socialism that we warned you so much about. Now, it didn't have anything in there about packing the courts or the crisis at the border. Uh, It didn't seem to want to talk much uh, about ending the legislative filibuster. Didn't want to discuss the things they're really trying to do to grab power and get these things pushed through because they know that the odds of maintaining power in 2022 are low. Um, But I'll tell you what the danger is that nobody will talk about, and that is that there is this appeal to the idea that all the stress of life is going to be removed by big government for you. Now, keep in mind the same big government that has bankrupted Social Security. They promised us it would be put in a lockbox. There is no lockbox. They've raided it. They put all that money in the general fund. It's now, do you think Bernie Madoff had a Ponzi scheme? Well, kind of similar. And monies that never should have been separated. They took all that money for people's retirement and they spent it. They squandered it. Same Medicare's going broke too. The same government that promised you get to keep your doctor, keep your care, and the average family will save on average $2,500 per family per year. Well, we're all paying now close to 250 percent more than we were paying before Obamacare, followed by millions losing their doctors, millions losing their plans, and almost 40 percent of the country only having one Obamacare exchange option available to them. How did that work out? How is the issue of law and order in democratic cities and states working out? Not too well from what I can see. I don't see a lot of law and order, and I don't see a lot of safety and security in any big city run by Democrats for decades. How's it working out with the public school system spending more per capita than any industrialized country in the world? Well, the same people that are promising now pre-K and free college and loan forgiveness and guaranteed wage and guaranteed government jobs and guaranteed uh, government healthy food and guaranteed government and pretty much everything. Yeah. Why would you put your faith, your hope, your trust in this? Why would you believe them? Took about an hour, you know, for Biden to talk about the border. And then he, you know, is just pushing for citizenship for illegal immigrants. Nothing about the border surge. Joe Biden calls on Congress to take action on immigration. Well, why why bother taking action? Because you're not not abiding by the laws that we currently have in the country. He's just decided to either rule things by executive fiat stroke of a pen bypass a co-equal branch of government or just ignore the laws that he doesn't like. I don't recommend you do that at home because there'll be a pre-dawn raid at your house with men in tactical gear, likely guns and fake news CNN cameras. If you're a conservative, former acting ICE director, Tom Homan, you know, said that Biden has sold out our border security to win an election. I don't disagree with him at all on this. Even Mark Kelly of Arizona, Democrat. Now, he's only saying this because he's up for re-election in 2022, so don't get fooled out there in Arizona. 
While I share the president's urgency in fixing our broken immigration system, what I didn't hear tonight was a plan to address the immediate crisis at the border. I will continue holding this administration accountable. He doesn't believe any of this, in my opinion. He's saying this to get reelected because the people of Arizona are feeling the impact of open borders by Joe Biden. And of course, Biden, it's a laundry list of of leftism, including gun control and gun violence, which he calls an epidemic. And and it goes on from there. I didn't understand why people were, you know, if the vaccine and, and again, I, I'm listening, I'm reading, I've read a lot on the vaccine, read a lot on the science. We've got three of them. Every American can get vaccinated. All the people in Washington did get vaccinated. And my, my question is, if you're protected, why didn't we have a full room last night? I think that's a fair question. Hannity's an anti-vaxxer. No, I'm not. Not at all, actually. I'm very pro-science. Some of my, all my best friends are in medicine. It's crazy. We talk about this stuff all the time. I'm fascinated with it. A friend of mine's a brain surgeon. Let me watch him a live brain surgery. If I see an operation going on TV, sometimes you'll see like a knee replacement, hip replacement. You watch it. I can't turn it off. I, I'm just like mesmerized by it. Love how the president takes credit for the, you know, distribution of the vaccine that Donald Trump created. But don't mention Donald Trump. Don't ever. Mr. Unity has nothing nice to say about anybody. You know, he talked about rooting out our systemic racism. What I don't understand about Joe Biden is how come Joe Biden gets a pass on the issue of race? Because if it was Donald Trump or any Republican that had his history on race, praising the guy that filibustered the 64 Civil Rights Act and partnering with such former Klansmen, to stop the integration of schools because he says he doesn't want schools to become racial jungles. I'm not so sure a Republican or a conservative would ever get that passed, but I'm the only one that keeps saying it. And that's why I don't stop saying it because I know they don't like to hear it or be reminded of it because it is true. And, you know, we'll go after Senator Tim Scott, who's talking about, well, in his family, a, a country that rights wrongs, corrects injustices and and, it been, and directly impacted his life and his family. It's a compelling American success story, you know, to become a more perfect union, right wrongs, correct injustices. You know, I, I, I've listened to his, you know, trillion dollars jobs plan to challenge China's ambitions I, I tried to look at this last night when he was, especially when he was going after Putin. And I'm thinking, if I'm Vladimir Putin, am I afraid of this guy? No, not at all. And you can see it because their military is on the border of Ukraine again because they know they can get away with it. And, uh, you know, he tells a lie about the 17 hours with President Xi. I'm not sure. They got rid of the fact-checking section of the Washington Post now because it's Joe Biden. It's not a Republican. You only have such things for Republican presidents. You know, we're dealing with the America, an American idea with regard to Russia. I know uh, I, it's concerned some of you. I've made it clear to Putin we're not going to seek, excuse me, escalation. But their actions will have consequences if they turn out to be true. And they turned out to be true. I responded directly, proportionately to Russians interfere. What did you do? Anyone know what he did? I'm not sure what he did. I don't think the Mullers are too afraid of Joe either. They're just thinking, all right, how much can we get this time? 
for doing nothing. You know, it's look, the, the media reaction is typical. It was make America feel good night. Media fawning over Biden's beautiful address to Congress. Astonishingly, how how his presidency has changed lives. I'm like, how? And, and this idea that people are drawn to socialism. I look at people's track record. Democrats have not done well with Social Security, Medicare, Obamacare, law and order, safety and security or schools. Why would we believe the rest of the lies they're now peddling to us? You know, it's one of those fool me once, shame on me thing. Fool me twice, shame on you. Um, no, you had that backwards. Yeah, fool me once. Hang on. <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Shame on fool you. Me fool twice, me twice, shame on me. Whatever. Was up Don't pull a TV. Joey on us. Come on, Sean. Poor, poor Lion Brian over at MSDNC on Biden was robbed the majesty of the job. <laughs> Something to think about when we do see Joe Biden come down this aisle again, 36 year veteran of the Senate. But so far, because of the pandemic and he's never used terms of victimization, he has been robbed of so much of the majesty and pomp of the job. Oh, so he's been robbed. Poor Joe's been robbed of the majesty and pomp of the job. I feel so bad for Joe. Um. It, you know, it, I like what Ted Cruz said last. It makes Obama look mild and moderate. Jim Jordan, socialism presented in slow motion. There was some funny stuff. You know, Stephen Miller on the show said uh, 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 on how Biden can't copy President Trump's charisma. Uh, like, it, it, there's just, there's, I will tell you this, and the media would never admit it. I, I've just got some headlines. I haven't really looked at it yet but i'm told that the the ratings were a disaster across the board i mean compared to a trump speech it's it was like a disaster because it's dull it's it's cliched it's all the old talking points it's the bumper stickers it's the slogans it's the the laundry list of you know all things radical socialist there's nothing interesting about this man there's no energy behind anything it's like a corpse up there yeah Thank God they're clapping. I get to breathe. I get to take a break. All right, I'm going to act. I practice this over and over again. Let me put more energy in now. I'm going to act really outraged. I just, I, I, I don't know. It's like a Manchurian candidate. It's like, wow, who's really, who's in charge here? Because I don't even know if Joe knows what day of the week it is. Yeah, he can get through a State of the Union address or a joint address to Congress. Yeah, he can do that. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So uh, as dull, as boring, as also chilling and frightening and radical as Joe Biden was last night, the star of the night clearly was Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. Uh, And he said a lot of things and took a lot of unfair comments, frankly, repulsive comments abusive comments and i would even argue racist comments from members of the media mob and and others you know you think in this day and age of woke cancel culture you can't say anything about anybody in any negative way whatsoever uh how is it that the left in america feels that they can call any conservative African-American, any name they want and insult them at a level that is 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 stifling and chilling 
and frankly, at times even just evil, just vicious, just just horrible. Anyway, here's Tim Scott from uh, last night. America is not a racist, uh, racist country. Grandfather went from cotton to college in a generation. And America's best future will come from the American people, not Washington, D.C. And then what he had to say about how he is treated and the names he has been called. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. We are all in this together and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. The country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people. Black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. We are all in this together, and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. All right, joining us now to react and respond, Kareem Lanier, co-chairman and executive vice president, board of directors, co-founder of the Urban Revitalization uh, Coalition, Leo 2.0 Terrell, Fox News contributor, civil rights attorney, Pastor Daryl Scott, chief executive officer of the Urban Revitalization Coalition. Thank you all for being with us. Um, and, and then you, you, you get the likes on NBC News and the things that they say. And, you know, Twitter goes out there trending, um, w- you know, with the Uncle Tim line, Leo. I mean, it's repulsive. This is uh, Leo Terrell. And let me simply tell you, Sean, Tim Scott and black conservatives is the greatest nightmare for Democrats. Why? Because they are a threat of having blacks leave the Democratic Party. If there's no black vote, there's no Democratic Party. And so they went after Tim Scott when he told the truth and said, America is not a racist country. I've been on your show. I've been telling you there's no systemic discrimination. There's no institutionalized racism. But that's the Democratic card. And Tim Scott said it eloquently. If you, they're not interested in, in, in resolving the issue because they keep the issue alive to brainwash their people on that side. And Donald Trump, when he was president, led a lot of black Americans, like myself, away from that Democratic plantation. And what is the Democrats' best argument to Tim Scott's truth? Name-calling. Name-calling. Because that's the only way they could demonize him. Tim Scott represents independent black Americans who are breaking away from the Democratic Party and telling the Democrats and the white liberals, I don't need you to take care of me any longer. And your take, Pastor Scott? Well, I will say this, uh, and uh, thanks for having me on. And, Leo, I'm in agreement and in disagreement with you at the same time. Tim Scott was right and wrong at the same time. I think he needed to clarify his statement because America as an ideal, America as a principle, is not racist. I mean, our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, is a statement on human rights. 
It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, that being among them, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All of that is great. America as an ideal, America in principle, is not a racist country. But in practice, there is racism in America, evidenced by the response to Tim Scott's statement. Tim (laughs) Scott said there's no racism in America, and the response to that is an outpouring of racism. And so, you know, I think he needs to clarify our America's practice does not match up to America's principles. And that's where we have a problem. We want to make a blanket statement and say America is not racist. No, America is not. But a number of Americans are. And so he's getting the backlash because I think he should have clarified that statement more. It was an offensive statement to those that have been on the receiving end of racism. I look at America and and know the difference in the human experience is that I believe all people were created. I believe a natural law by the same God uh, has discrimination occurred and racism in this country. Yes. Are there racist people in this country today? Yes, there are. Is it do we have systemic racism that prevents people from achieving their dreams? I would argue that anybody can achieve anything in this country. Well, let me say this. Once again, as I stated before, in principle, America is not racist. In practice, it is. And it runs both ways, and it's coming from both sides, left and right. Leo, I have a problem with the term that the right uses all the time when they say that black Democrats are slaves on the plantation. That's racist. That has racist connotation and racist overtones to it, but we liberally use it on the right. And we feel justified in our use of it. And then we find ourselves offended when we, when, when, when we want to hide behind certain terminology that the left uses against us. To me, calling him Uncle Tim is just as bad as us calling them slaves on a plantation. Pastor, I remember I had this con- Hold on. I had this conversation one time with, with the RNC. And I said, I wish you would stop having your spokespeople use that terminology. Because if I told a Jewish Democrat that the Democratic Party was the Holocaust and that voting Democrat was like being in a concentration camp, I said they would have an offense to it. Well, slavery was our Holocaust. The plantation was our concentration camp. We cannot continue to lose that type of terminology, use that type of terminology, offending a whole block of people that take it as a racist overtone and then say that there's no racism. It's running both sides. Pastor, let me ask you and Kareem one thing. Just please. Name me an institution right now that is systemically racist. Let's forget the name. I will will love to answer that question, Leo Terrell. I would love to. Here's the deal. Tim Scott is a good man. I'm not saying Tim Scott's a bad person. I've worked with Tim Scott on criminal justice reform, and we got it passed. I worked with Tim Scott on opportunity zones, and they helped. We worked with Tim Scott even on this police reform stuff. But the fact that we have to work with him on this legislation lets you know that there's systemic racism. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to do this stuff. Why would we need to put opportunities? Is, isn't the, isn't the beauty of America, though, Kareem, the idea that our framers and founders, knowing the, the original sin, the evil that was slavery, that, that, and, and the battle that, that began uh, even in the founding days of this country, I want every American that has gifts and talents from God, so you understand my view of natural law created by the same God, to have the opportunity, the rungs and the ladder, that they can pursue happiness because they live in cities safe and secure with law and order, and they get a good education with good schools. 
And from that point, I think there's there's no dream that no American can achieve, whether it's owning banks or credit unions or whatever other business they want to get into, Kareem. Okay, so this is Kareem again responding to that. Number one, you're right. God gives rights, but legislators make re- legislation. And a lot of the systemic issues are legislative. Let me me give you full time to respond. We're heading up on a break here. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of it. Uh, We'll get to some of your calls next half hour. We'll get final comments from everybody here. All right, as we continue, Kareem Lanier, Leo Terrell 2.0, Pastor Daryl Scott with us. Uh, I think one of the most divisive, repulsive things that I hear are the names that if you are conservative and African-American, are used to describe you. And, you know, h- how is it that you have uh, Twitter as it is and NBC News that it, it is? You know, the references go back to Clarence Thomas, Uncle Clarence. Or I hope he eats a lot of eggs and bacon and gets heart disease like a lot of other African-American men and dies young. That was USA Today at the time. I mean, he actually said, I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, he went on to say. Um, you know, then then you got MS, you got NBC News, MSDNC, you know, trashing Tim Scott. I'm embarrassed for embarrassed for what? That he doesn't agree with you that it's open season. You could say anything and everything that you 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 want, you know, because he said he doesn't believe America is a racist country. He didn't say there aren't racists in America, uh, racists in America. He said that it's not. America is not racist. Look at this, the strides that we've made that we talked about. Starting from a civil war, war that was fought to the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act. That, by the way, Joe Biden praised the guy that filibustered that. Nobody ever seems to want to talk about that. And a nation that's seeking solutions and success for every man, woman, and child. And that can happen in this country uh, if, in fact, we would get serious about law, order, safety, security, and education in every town and every city in the country. We touched a little bit on the issue of natural law that rights come from god and in a free environment the talents put in every individual get to come to fruition and and that is the beauty of america and a system that where we can right wrongs and correct injustices and we have but yeah we have far to we've come far and we have far to go no one's disagreeing with that this is kareem here the problem here is you're making and a lot of people are making the mistake of taking an issue that's a human rights issue. This is a humanitarian crisis that's going on in America right now with black America. And you're saying, uh, and, and I'm talking about why black people reacted, why we reacted. And I, I wouldn't call uh, Tim Scott uh, Uncle Tim. Uh, Tim Scott's a good friend. Uh, we work with him on a lot of things. But the issue here is, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of things that have happened. The fact that we're still dealing with some of these things means that we've dealt with them for a lifetime. Trump did the First Step Act, which is amazing. We did that with Tim Scott. But that was to undo systemic racist things that was lacking up. But he also, did, wait a minute. he also did criminal justice reform. He also, he also, he also funded historically black colleges more than any other president. And I'll tell you, the biggest accomplishment is he set record low after record low after record low unemployment for every demographic, including African-Americans and African-American youth unemployment. Donald Trump did that, not Obama, not Biden. He did, but he did that in 2017, between 2017 and 2020. Why are we still dealing with these issues if they're not systemic? I'll let Leo answer that. Leo, you want to take a crack at that? Yeah, I'll I'll take a crack at it, but I, I don't think, you know, this is why, 
the term systemic discrimination, systemic racism is a legal term. I know what it means. No disrespect to anyone listening. You need to understand what that term is. But when you have minority-run cities like Chicago and Washington, D.C., and Baltimore, Maryland, where all the people of color are running, and you're saying there's systemic racism, respectfully, you don't know what you're talking about. Because it's people who are just like you and I making decisions to have an adverse impact. So learn what the term means before you use it. Because I know what it means. Leo, 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 Trump dealt with Trump had to deal with it on a federal level. Trump dealt with it on a federal level, Leo, not on a municipal or local level. He dealt with the criminal justice inequities that were systemic in the federal, in the federal prison system. So you're talking about I local, can't, I can't, you're I can't trying to blame it on local Democrat it's a, politicians, it's a legal with it on a federal level. No, legal term. Respectfully, you guys, you, you need to understand what that word means, that term means, and how it's applied. It's being used like, 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 like food, like it's meaningless. You don't know what it means. I know what it term means. Term is a subjective term. What does it mean objectively, no, it's Leo? It's a legal term. Systemic discrimination is a legal term. Okay, break it down then. No, 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 no. I'm not going to even try Break it, it down. Break down the legalities of the term. No, no, no. But, but I'm asking you guys. It means, it means, this, it, hey, we know what the word systemic means. We know what the word racism means. It's that a means legal racism, term. Racism in the system. Term. Sorry, I'm okay. not going to do it. It's I know racism what it means. in the I'm, system. No, that's wrong. Okay, well, what does it mean? That's wrong. So, so what we're saying even, is, no, 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 no. So what we're saying is there are some systems to, that are racist in America. You're saying it's not. I will to tell you, once, once you learn what that term is, you understand what I'm referring to. If we need more time. Leo, try to, Leo, that's like no, me saying, you. unless you know what a theological term is, I can't explain salvation to you unless what you know what the uh, theological term soteriology is about. You can't do that, man. Reverend, Just tell Reverend, us what Reverend, it is, then. Break it down in lamest terms. Break it down for us. Since you're the lawyer that know, tell us what it means. Okay, I'll, you, I'll try to tell you right now. Systemic discrimination is where an organization, a governmental entity, has implemented policies and procedures, and the employees implement that policy and procedure to disadvantage one group over another. So if you have that on the national level, the city level, the school district, you have to show that they're motivated by that person's race. and to show that there's policies and principles implemented for that specific purpose. Okay, Leo, hey, Leo was affirmative action. Hey, Leo, was, we, hey, hey, was affirmative action systemic? What? Was affirmative action systemic? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know what? Uh, let no, me. No, no, I got another one. Hey, Jim, that, that, hey, Leo, was Jim Crow systemic? Was redlining systemic? Was criminal justice systemic? Was the 1980 crack law systemic? I mean, come on, Leo. We're heading up on a break here. We'll come back more with Kareem Lanier, Leo Terrell 2.0, past the Daryl Scott on the other side. Quick break, right back. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around a store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege. Because a relative owned land 
generations before my time. Our Constitution opens with the words, as trite as it sounds, we the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government, you and I, not some force in a distant capital, not some powerful force that we have no control over. It's us. It's we the people. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people. Black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. We are all in this together, and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. Talking about um, Tim Scott and, and the incredible reaction he's gotten from most people, except from the mainstream media. Anyway, more with Kareem Lanier, Leo 2.0 Terrell, Pastor Daryl Scott. Uh, Kareem, I, I, I'm hearing you talk about a lot of these things, and if, if that's your belief system, okay, you, you're welcome to have any belief that you have and, and make the case. Um, but I'm listening, and, and I, I, I don't hear you criticizing Joe Biden yet. I don't hear a word out of that. This that's is a guy that praised the guy. This is the man that praised the former Klansman that filibustered the 64... Civil Rights Act and 65 Voting Rights Act, who, who partnered with Joe Biden to stop the integration of our schools because he didn't want our schools to become racial jungles. And I have yet to hear a word. You you want to go after Tim Scott and what oh, Tim Scott's man, I, comments? No, no, no. I want to know your thoughts on Joe Biden's past, and I want to know why you think that he gets a pass. I've said this on the record about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been one of the most racist, historically racist people in the, in the history of this country when it came to racism. I've said that many times. But what, here's the problem that you guys are, are conflating here. You're conflating a human rights issue with a political issue. You're making this political, right? Now, so, now if you want to make it political, let me just be flat out with you guys. If the GOP and us, and, and we're all GOP Republic, we, we represent uh, this side. If we want to get the black vote and get black, either we want the black vote or we don't. At the end of the day, you cannot take a humanitarian issue like what's happening with blacks in America and what's happened with blacks in America and make it a political issue. What's happening right now, the Democrats... What part, be specific, what's happening with who and where? At the end of the day, we have a humanitarian crisis that's happened with black America right now. Are, are you, are, are, you're not being specific, because I would argue, I think I can make I just, your argument better than you're making it. I just, and that no, is, I the hang you. on, that is the fact that in many big cities where you have uh, higher populations of African Americans, uh, I don't see the law and order and the safety and security that every American deserves that they're not getting. Um, and, and I can give you the statistics after any weekend, how many shootings took place in every big city and how many people were killed. will never, whose names we'll never know or hear about people shot whose names we'll never hear about. I could look at big cities run by liberal Democrats for decades. And I look at, we spend money on education, but we come in, you know, close to 40th. We spend per capita the highest amount on, on a student than any industrialized country with the worst results. Again, Democratic cities, Democratic states for decades. So that's what I'm looking at, Kareem. And and I don't see why you don't you don't. That's if you want to solve problems, that's where you got to go. Okay, safety and security, law and order and Uh education. 
Okay, I can look at big cities ran by whites and they have the same issues. I mean, you, you can't have it both ways. You can have, listen, you're, you're still trying to conflate a human rights issue, which is blacks are still dealing with systemic racism. And here's the problem, and this is why the Democrats are, are winning this and making us look terrible. They're dealing with it like as a human. Joe came out and said, hey, listen, we're going to deal with systemic racism. What, what, what's wrong with that statement when I'm just telling you here? We have 19 black-owned banks right now out of 5,200 banks. That is systemic. That's legislation. Leo, according to your definition, there's legislation that is hindering blacks from owning banks. Because I know a lot of black people that qualify for owning banks. Well, then slow down. Hang on a second. Hang on, hang on a second. Well, Daryl Scott, uh, by the way, I, I would like to see more ownership uh, an entrepreneurial ship for every American, regardless of race, including banks. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, Pastor Scott, how many times did you t- meet with Donald Trump? How many times w- how, did you have access oh, to him to work with him to uh, solve these problems? And has um, there been a president um, before in your lifetime that is, has, has listened and done more than, that, than Donald Trump? No, listen. I think you guys are misunderstanding what Kareem is saying because everything, every time I went, I don't I, think I, so. I think access. I hear Kareem loud and clear. No, listen. Every time I had access to the president to work on this, he was working. There. Kareem was right there working with us side by side. He, he's everything you're saying. He's in agreement. He's in agreement with regarding Donald Trump. Donald Trump did what he could. Basically, he worked miracles because his hands were tied. But he did what he could in the face of all the opposition. That why he didn't you faced. tell him to fix this while you had access to him? We did. We talked about that. Once again, I said he had his hands tied. It was only so much he could do in the little time he had to do it. <laughs> president Trump was very, I said it, he's the most pro-black president So you talked specifically lifetime. to Donald Trump about these issues and he didn't get it done? Because uh, that's not the guy that I knew. Actually, the banking issue was on the table, which was the result, which the platinum plan was an outgrowth of it. The banking issue was on the table, but the election, the election came around. Well, is Joe Biden going to give you the same access that Donald Trump gave you? I tend to doubt it. No, Joe Biden, no, no, no. (laughs) Listen, President Trump is the greatest president that we had in the history of this country. I voted for Trump. I advocated for him. I got attacked. I got called Coons and Uncle Toms and everything Tim Scott's being called for our advocacy for Donald Trump. Listen, the Republican Party needs to bow down and thank Trump for all he did because uh, as a result of a lot of the efforts that we did, he got 24% of the male black vote. And so this is not a Trump issue. Trump was the best thing that happened to America when it came to black America when it came to these issues. So we're not, But you're making it this partisan. Listen, if we could have Trump in right now, he would deal with it, right? But at the end of the day, we don't have Trump in the office right now. But you're blaming the black, black people are reacting to Tim Scott the way they're reacting to him because people like Leo Terrell and others saying, there are no systemic racism, and that's a lie. It's a flat-out lie. We're still dealing with it. Hey, hey, we this, need this, Trump this, back in this, office. We need Trump back no, in office right no, now no. to deal with these things. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable for this man to say there's systemic racism. He doesn't even know what the word means. <laughs> just, it's, it's just, I, I'm not saying another word about this because I'm having a discussion respectfully. You don't know what you're talking Leo, about, sir. Leo, you don't know what Leo, systemic you racism assumed, is. You I'm done with that. we didn't know what it meant. You didn't, oh, we my didn't God. We don't know what it means. You assumed we didn't know what it meant. Okay, okay, fine. Well, then you and I have a different opinion as to what it means. Because as a lawyer, I know it's a legal term and no disrespect. I think I'm the only lawyer in this conversation. I know what it means. I've been doing it for 30 years. There's a legal definition for it. Get a federal judge on. Tell me if you're right. All right, quick break. More with Kareem Lanier, Leo Terrell 2.0, Pastor Daryl Scott. 
from colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. All right, as we continue with Kareem Lanier, Leo 2.0 Terrell, Pastor Daryl Scott, what percentage of the American people, I'll ask all of you the same question, give me a number. What percentage of the American people do you believe are racist? We'll start with Kareem. I believe it's less than 5%. And Leo? I believe it's less than, uh, probably less than 10%. And Pastor Scott? I'm going to go in the middle between. They, Leo said 10, Queen said 5, I'll say 7.5%. But we're all okay. in the same so, so, so that would mean well over 90% of Americans find racism repugnant. Is that true? Absolutely. I agree. We're not talking about the people, though. We're talking about the system. Okay, so, so <laughs> now the question is if that's true and if the Republican Party, criminal justice reform, historically black colleges, opportunity zones, et cetera, et cetera, all the things that Donald Trump did when he was president, that no Democrat, Joe Biden and, and Barack Obama never got that done. And I, I just, I, I don't remember hearing, uh, and I've known you for a while, Pastor Scott, I don't remember you or Kareem out there when Democrats were in office saying this about Joe and Barack. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just curious why, given all the access that you were given in the last four years that I know about, which was extensive, that that, that son, these that, specific son. issues weren't dealt with. So I own my own radio station. I have a radio station, and I shouted against Barack Obama loud and long on that radio station. I've known Donald Trump since 2011. He was going to run in 2012. I was with him then. But you have to have the platform in order for the noise to be heard. In my venue, yeah, I was very outspoken against Obama. Have I, I not shared my platforms with you? Anytime you want to be on this show, all you need to do is call me. Yes, you have. But listen, in 2008, I took a lot of flack because I said, people, if the only reason you're voting for Barack Obama is because he's black, then you're saying he's unqualified. I made that statement. I said, I wouldn't hire somebody to cut my grass just because they're black. They need to know how to cut grass. And I said, so if your only reason for voting for Obama is because he's black, then you stated yourself the man's unqualified. So I've been very outspoken against him. We, we, we all have. Kareem has, too. He has, we, we didn't vote for Obama. All the See, you know, I said this to you the last time you were on, Pastor, and I said that the only way I think you're going to solve the problem is I love my idea. You, we discussed the idea that in a lot of cities, a lot of towns, you have a, a Christian church, predominantly African-American. You have another Christian church, predominantly Hispanic American, another Christian church, predominantly white American. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Okay, so why don't why don't the pastors get together and adopt a church and and you come to our church once a month? We'll go to your church once a month. There, there are a lot of churches that do things like that, and I, I don't. I haven't those, seen it. Uh, those aren't racial issues. Those are cultural issues. I'll say this much: We proposed to Donald Trump in 2016 that we have a race summit and sit down and have frank discussions on race. Donald Trump was all for it. He was excited about it. We're going to have Jim Brown moderate it because 19, 2016 was the uh, 50th year anniversary since Jim Brown had a racial summit. The president was excited and wanted to do it. The people around him didn't want to do it. So when I say he had his hands tied, I know what I'm talking about from the inside out. The people around him didn't want him to do it. Now, I don't want to call names, but I can 
But Donald I don't Trump care if you call names. Go ahead. But Donald Trump was the greatest president for yeah, black America by far. He was, he was the greatest president for black America by far. I no just find the, the whole him. thing. So if the, if the my, my, if, just let me wrap this up. because We're way over time here now. Um, but let me just say this. If the majority, overwhelming majority, 90 whatever plus percent of Americans find racism repugnant and aren't racist and want nothing to do with ignorant people that are, and the American people believe in natural rights, God-given rights, not government-given rights, and we now have a society that is committed to righting wrongs and correcting injustices, which we have a history of, not Joe's mentors and the people that he praised, but 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 certainly many people have over the many you know hundreds of years we've been in existence a couple of hundred years plus now and i would just say to both of to all three of you that that there is the answer right there is that the majority of people in this country unite around something they agree on and that is ending racism in whatever form whatever manifestation and I would charge you, Pastor. I think you you should you should lead the way. You should have yeah, the adopt the church program. You should lead it. I'll I'll help you as but, much as I can. I'll donate money thing, to though. it. We can't we can't fix something that we deny exists. I said but you're America saying is you put on the racist. if you're saying no, ninety plus percent America. if you're saying ninety three percent of America is not racist, you know okay. I you're talking about seven percent that are against you. And 93% are with you. America is not racist, but Americans, some Americans are. And Tim Scott received an overwhelming racist response. We're over time. I got to run. I want to thank you all. Kareem, thank you. Leo 2.0. Terrell, thank you. Pastor Daryl Scott, thank you. Quick break. We'll come back. Senator Ron Johnson, our pollsters, all straight ahead. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Six trillion plus dollars, and that's just the down payment. New Green Deal, socialist madness, spending, the false hope, the false promises, the squad's dreams coming true. Uh, Now, Steve Ratner was a former Obama economic advisor, says Biden's plans will cost seven times as much as Obama's stimulus package from 2009. If you look at this chart, Joe, you can take the numbers you were just talking about and see it all put together. You can see the $1.9 trillion from the rescue plan, $2.25 trillion from the jobs plan, now another trillion eight. So it's $6 trillion in addition, as you pointed out, to last year. And just to put this into some perspective, what you can see all the way over on the right is the Obama stimulus plan, which was $800 billion. So you're talking about something like wow. seven times the size of that. And you're talking uh, about it, comparing it to $4.4 trillion a year that the government spends on everything. This is over a longer period of time, in fairness. It includes some tax credits, in fairness. But you're talking about almost 50% more than the government spends just in one year, just on its normal activities. Uh, pretty unbelievable, right? That's from Obama's former economic advisor. He later went on to say the potential for failure for Biden's spending plans is very high. Uh, that probably is the big takeaway in that. And, of course, uh, Senator Tim Scott and reaction around the country. Uh, Matt Towery, John McLaughlin, both with us. Uh, we, we did have polls. I think there was a thousand people surveyed on CBS. And I think like, you know, under uh, like 37 were Republican. And uh, they actually got caught, which is pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, go to uh, Matt Towery and, and start with you. Okay, I'm listening to this. We know socialism, whatever name it's given, in this case, the Green New Deal socialism. 
uh, whatever manifestation it takes, it always ends in in broken promises, undelivered promises, uh, it, poverty, which will grow. In this case, it will grow. Uh, massive redistribution has never worked. And then it's a matter at the end of the day, calculating how much freedom you gave up in the name of false security. But th- is there an appeal when you look at polls? People want everything for free and we're going to take it from this group of people and give it to you, Matt? Well, that, unfortunately, there is. Um at the at sort of the the base level, um, uh, and let me just to your point earlier, Sean. Let me let folks know they can go to an article on Politico, which is a left of center but quote mainstream political um, online news source. And today they they unabashedly say that last night's speech by Barack, I mean by, by Barack Obama, well may have been by Barack Obama, but by Joe Biden uh, was the most liberal far-reaching liberal speech um, from any American president, probably since LBJ. They don't mention LBJ, but it goes back that far. So no one, it's not a secret in D.C. that this is the most liberal, left-of-center agenda of any American president in our lifetime. And when you start with that, and then you realize that you have a combination of polls, some of which are just ginned up, but the one you just mentioned, where you just have a small number of Republicans, I don't know which group did it, but um, you have those all the time. You have some others that will show support even when the when the polls done halfway correctly. But the truth of the matter is that until the message gets out to the public, and, you know, I talked about this all through the election last year, until the public sees the reality rather than the, 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 the phrases that are used, the catchphrases that are designed to make them feel in, in favor of everything, then, then we're not going to see some massive uh, American revolt against what is clearly a, a plan that is so outrageous and so far out of what Americans are used to that, that they're going to be shocked when it's actually implemented. But, no, it's going to take some time, and the Republicans have got to do a better job with their message. And your take, John McLaughlin. Well, I'll tell you, you, so, you started off exactly right that those uh, media polls, the CBS poll. 18% Republican. They are sandbagging us. I mean, last night's speech was surreal. It was like a hostage-taking where they're sitting there with their masks on, spread out around the co- congressional chamber, and uh, Joe Biden is reading from a teleprompter. It was the most boring. It was worse than the Oscars. I mean, it was unbelievable. The ratings <laughs> must be a disaster. And when you look at it, those polls that are coming out now with so few Republicans, we talked about it last year, that they were rigging the polls to suppress our vote. Now they're rigging the polls to fool us on these fake policies. And, like, like for example, ABC came out with a poll, 24% Republicans, Saturday, and barely had, had a, a, a positive job approval for Biden. Then you had NBC, 25%. On Sunday, and I tell you what it's about is we were 36% of the electorate last November, and they're trying to lower the polls because Donald Trump, 69% of the Republicans, want him to run again. They would support him if he runs again, 82 to 15, and nobody mentioned his name last night. That was a missed opportunity for Tim Scott. But all Joe Biden had to do was say, I thank Donald Trump for the vaccines. I thank Donald Trump for the growing economy. And he would have somewhat been perceived as uniting the country. Instead, he's sandbagging us saying that if he spends in taxes $7 trillion, it's going to create jobs. Nobody believes it. It's, it's pretty amazing that I don't think any of them have ever thought to take out a calculator and start to do the math of what this is all costing. And, you know, the fact that we're calling infrastructure, you can define infrastructure as pre-K education. You can define infrastructure as free college. You can define infrastructure uh, as child daycare. You can find, uh, define infrastructure as anything you pretty much want to define it as. 
Uh, I always took it to be roads and bridges and the like, uh, Matt Towery. Well, <laughs> look, here's the problem we have. The, 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 it depends on who's defining what. And the problem that we have right now are that the Republicans have no message and no megaphone to explain exactly what you're pointing to, and that is infrastructure used to be bridges and roads, and now they're taking it to all types of programs that have nothing to do with infrastructure. To John's point, where is Donald Trump's name? What you have going on right now is a huge struggle between the Republican National Committee and the Republican Senatorial Committee and all of these staid organizations that, that, want, that think they can redefine the Republican Party without Donald Trump. This is the party of Donald Trump. He, th- this is what the Republicans want. And he's the only messenger right now who's really pushing back. I saw Tim Scott's speech last night. I thought it was okay, but I don't think he did the right thing. I, th- I think he should have mentioned President Trump or the president went on this morning on television on, on Fox, and he actually made it very clear where these things are headed. He's the only person who articulates what they are doing to this country. And if the Republicans keep running away from him, they won't win the House and they won't win the Senate in 2022. I I think the agenda is clear, and I say it every day. The Republican Party, it's not hard to figure out. And and I'll ask both of you if the polling bears this out. you got to be the party of liberty, freedom, and capitalism, the party of our Constitution, including the First and Second Amendment, the party of law and order and safety, security for every town and city and every American. Uh, You've got to be the 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 party that believes in school choice, uh, health care, free market solutions. Yes, protect pre-existing conditions. You got to be the party of less bureaucracy, lower taxes, secure borders, uh, the party of energy independence, free and fair trade and peace through strength. What am I missing, John McLaughlin? See, you're, you're hitting all the bases. And by the way, that's how the Republicans win again. But it won't be the Republicans that figure it out. It'll be conservatives that win primaries this year and next year that actually move the agenda on those issues. Because those of us who remember, you know, those of us who, Sean, you're too young, probably you, Matt, but the, uh, those of us who remember when we, when we worked for Ronald Reagan back in 76, we sat back, we organized, we elected people who believe in what we did by winning primaries. And guess what? As Jimmy Carter failed, we won in a landslide. We gained in 78, and then we won in a landslide in 1980. Well, guess what? There's so many issues there. It's, it's bigger than the... Newt Gingrich's contract in 94. It's bigger than that. There's so many issues here that the Republicans and conservatives will lead them there. We'll get them there. And those people who read your book, Sean, they'll see all these issues. But it's about freedom or government control. Okay, but Matt was talking about, and I'll bring Matt back in. And Matt, you were saying, okay, if they run away from the Trump agenda. What I just outlined is the Trump agenda. It is the conservative agenda. It is what worked for Reagan, what worked for Newt, what worked for Donald Trump, and will work again, which is the antithesis of where Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Democrats are taking the country now. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and let me go back to a point I, I made earlier. And, I, you know, I said this all through the last election cycle. I, I've always believed that the only way you get people to embrace the policies that they really need and that, that really help their life is to understand what's really going on around them. Now, when you have a vacuum of news, when you have polls that are rigged, when you have uh, news organizations selectively reporting and not reporting news and then slanting it the way they want, putting editorial in as news fact, and then when you have the big tech organizations deciding what can run and what can't run, you're at a pretty bad deficit in terms of people having a perspective. It is critical. It is critical that the Republican Party learn to start buying ads 
putting digital ads out, ads on cable television, television, even if you don't get the lowest unit rate, which is what they all sit back and wait for in election time, to, to educate the public about what's going on around them. You can't just gear up for a war like they do now, six months before the election starts, and think you're going to win. The well, there's Democrats one other thing that has to be fixed before that, too, and that's election reform, and that would be voter ID. That would be signature verification. That would be chain of, of custody, partisan observers allowed to observe. Um, all of these things, I think, matter. Uh, and well, that has to happen point, at the though, state Sean. legislator level. What? But, but to, to your point, Sean, you, you've got you got this this uh, bill that last night they ended the speech with, and everyone thought it was just so wonderful that would basically nationalize our elections and take all the authority out of the states to have any control over elections. That is so against the founding of this country and what our entire federalist system is supposed to be. It's absurd. But unless you educate the public and get out there and talk about it, they're not going to know about it. And, and then there won't be this impetus to fight this bill, which most people otherwise would. So we've yeah. got a huge educational job in front of us. John? Absolutely. Yeah, well, no, this, this H.R. 1, the Corrupt Politicians Act, it, it's going on right now where we did polls in February. Most voters don't know what's happening. Seven out of ten voters didn't have a clue. It's going to repeal voter ID for ballots and absentee ballots, and 78% of all Americans support that. Plus, they're going to allow taxpayer funding of campaigns to the point where members of Congress can pay themselves a campaign salary on top of their salary. It is so corrupt, it is so bad, and it is the epitome of Joe Biden's corruption. Because if they allow that bill to pass, we will lose our freedoms and liberties, and they will enable fraud, and these, and these non-citizens coming into the country, these illegal immigrants, will get to vote and cancel our votes out. And they're doing it in the light of day. As we continue with our pollsters, Matt Towery and John McLaughlin, do you believe any of these polls that that suggest, although your friend Scott Rasmussen had them underwater today, at only 48 percent approval, 52 percent disapproval, that, oh, that 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 everybody in the country, you if you can, if you believe the polls are just fawning over all things Joe Biden, I don't think that's the case at all. I think if Joe Biden has done anything he successfully stays out of the news completely, and and the news media fawns over him the few times he does come out and does zero analysis or fact-checking or simple math uh, in terms of what it's going to cost we the people. Matt? Well, I, I think this. I think that with Joe Biden, you have someone who generally is likable in the sense that he, you know, he doesn't come across as being um, as, as, as tough as one might think. And so that they're able to, to present what little information they do through an individual who comes across as, you know, fairly likable, sort of like your great grandfather at this point. But truth be known, even if he's likable, his, his programs that he's bringing forward, like for example, the border, there is a massive deficit in terms of his approval of how he's handling the border, but the media covers up for it and they don't focus on it. I think his, his approval ratings are not terrible. I think Scott's probably right about where he has him, Scott Rasmussen, where he has him right now. But I think you're going to see the, the tipping point in the next few months. We're either going, going to find out that the media and tech organizations, big tech, covering for him and him just coming out occasionally, as you just alluded to, whether it works and it carries him with momentum going forward or whether at some point this gig starts to get old with people and people start realizing that they're not getting what they, what they voted for. But there is an appeal of socialism. We have to be real about this. And that is that everything's free and we're going to take it from this group of people. We're going to give it to, the, to this other group of people. 
Uh, and there's a lot more people that will be on the receiving end than on the giving end of it. And that seems appealing, especially to millennials. It's called socialism, redistributionism, authoritarianism, statism, Marxism, whatever name you want to give it, ism. And there is that appeal. Okay, every fear I have will be taken away, John McLaughlin. What 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 well, is your polling show that appeal is at? Well, I'll tell you what. We, we all these polling numbers I've been citing. We did a poll that was released this month over a week ago on McLaughlinOnline.com. When you put the word big government in front of socialism, people don't like it. Six out of ten Americans prefer free market capitalism over to like one in five who prefer uh, uh, big government socialism. What about these millennials? Voters, what about younger people that are now getting know into the... They, they don't know what it is. Unless they're Hispanic and they came from a country like Mexico or Cuba or Nicaragua, the older the, the, the older millennials, the Gen Zs are more skeptical, but the, the older millennials... They've been sold the bill of goods in college. They don't know what socialism is. And we've tested that in focus groups. Now they're going to get a taste of it because they're saying they're going to take from the rich and give to you. And wait till they find out they're all rich because the government's going to control their income. They're going to control what they get paid. They're going to control where they get work, where they go to work. And the prices are going to go up. There's right. going to be shortages. And, uh, and everybody's going to pay more. <laughs> Listen, corporations aren't going to pay higher taxes. They'll pass it on. The higher energy costs, that'll, that'll hit every American on every level. All right. Uh, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery, thank you both. Our pollster, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin's next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Let's go back to last night. Joe, $6 trillion man, massive spending. And, uh, yeah, let's hide all the power grab moves and maneuvers we're doing behind the scenes. That didn't come up much last night, nor did the border come up last night either. Hmm, very interesting. But $6 trillion, and that's just the down payment. For me, I think climate change, I think jobs. American Jobs Plan will put engineers and construction workers to work building more energy-efficient buildings and homes. Think about it. There is simply no reason why the blades for wind turbines can't be built in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. No reason. None. No reason. There's no reason why American, American workers can't lead the world in the production of electric vehicles and batteries. I mean, there is no reason. How do we pay for my jobs and family plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. But it's time for corporate America and the wealthiest 1% of Americans to just begin to pay their fair share. Just their fair share. But Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built the country, and unions built the middle class. So that's why I'm calling on Congress to pass Protect the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act, and send it to my desk so we can support the right to unionize. And by the way, while you're thinking about sending things to my desk, (laughs) let's raise the minimum wage to $15. No one. No one working 40 hours a week, no one working 40 hours a week should live below the poverty line. We need to ensure greater equity and opportunity for women. And while we're doing this, let's get the Paycheck Fairness Act to my desk as well. Equal pay. They spent much too long 
And if you wonder whether it's too long, look behind me. All right, joining us now, Senator Ron Johnson, great state of Wisconsin. Now, I keep talking about 2022. Republicans are very close to getting a majority in the House. A lot of bellwether Senate races around the country, and, and that would include uh, Florida and Georgia and North Carolina. That would include New Hampshire. That would include Ohio, Wisconsin, and uh, Arizona among them, and South Carolina. Tim Scott is up, by the way. Uh, one of the races, Democrats have clearly said they want to target one guy. And that's Senator Ron Johnson in the state of Wisconsin, who's done a great job for the state of Wisconsin. You've not officially, from my last reading, announced that you're running for re-election, have you? Uh, I haven't, Sean. Hello. And, and by the way, didn't Tim Scott do a great job? He's great uh, last night. Just a great job. The contrast is just so stark. Now, I guess you can say Joe Biden's speech was great if... Your goal is to bankrupt this country, uh, turn America into socialist uh, basket case, and, and make every American dependent on government. Then, then I guess Joe Biden's speech was good, but, but Tim Scott laid out a vision for America that I think most Americans can embrace. Yeah. You know, I look at your state of Wisconsin, and I think of the people of the state of Wisconsin, salt of the earth, Midwestern, great values, God, family, faith, country. They, they work so hard every single day. They, they obey the laws, play by the rules, pay their taxes, raise their kids, work their 14 hours a day. And there is this appeal, it seems like, to millennials that, oh, no, no, everything is going to be free, free, free. You know, free pre-K, free daycare, government-sponsored, of course, free college, government-paid for, free student loan forgiveness, guaranteed job, guaranteed wage, Guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed health care, guaranteed retirement. And uh, don't worry, we're not going to run a deficit to pay for it, is what Joe said last night, Senator. No, and that is the concern. You're going to take a you know, state like Wisconsin, and you're right, hardworking, just common sense, kind Americans, okay, kind Wisconsinites. And over time, you start making them dependent on government, and you keep growing government. And you grow, grow these massive debt, these deficits and, and these ma- this massive amount of debt. And, and by the way, Sean, this debt already is having a really harmful impact. Well, let's, let's say you're a retiree on a f- fixed income. Now, because of this massive debt, we keep interest rates artificially low. Where can retirees on a fixed income get a, a fair rate of return on their savings? And if we, if we monetize, uh, if, if we turn this debt and, and we fix the problem by inflating. Uh, inflation is going to wipe out retirees and people on fixed income, and it's going to really harm uh, people at the lower end of the income spectrum. And that, that's the little secret story that the, the Democrats will never tell you is the, the horrible consequences of all this uh, out-of-control spending. You know, I, 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 I look at all of this, and what I see is that hardworking Americans, most that I know, are not looking to the government to hand out things that they, they want freedom. They want Liberty. They believe in capitalism, you know, not, not big spending, deficit spending, radical socialism, but yet there, how do you possibly explain the, the appeal, the, this, the biggest lurch in the history of this country towards socialism? I would say one word COVID. And so, you know, because of COVID, you know, we had all these shutdowns, you know, Congress was, was, very generous. We, we certainly wanted to help people in need. We all do. But when you start doling out, for example, $600 just flat increases to state unemployment benefits, and you continue to extend it, you know, this is Lawrence Summers, 
economist uh, that helped the Obama and the Clinton administration, he said it basically if you, when you extend unemployment benefits, you extend unemployment, and that's what's happening. You know, at $600, it was something like five out of six workers made more in unemployment than they made working. Right now, I think the figure's still about 40% with a $300 plus up. And so that is how you addict Americans to government. You pay out all of these uh, direct payment checks. So at, at the depth of the COVID recession, we were down about 25 million jobs from the record created under President Trump. 25 million jobs. Now we're about 10 million jobs. And yet we sent repeatedly uh, stimulus checks, I guess, direct payment checks to 166 million Americans. And a certain percentage of Americans that unfortunately may be a growing percentage kind of gets used to that direct payment from the government. They realize, well, why, why should I go into work when I can make more literally sitting on my couch? And that is how Democrats historically have addicted a larger and growing percentage of Americans to government and to them. And, of course, that's what this is all about for Democrats. Addict Americans to government, make them depend on the government, and then they will vote for the people that will guarantee you more benefits. Yeah. You know, why do you think it is that, uh, and, and I've noticed that you're a, a senator that rolls up his sleeves, goes in, keeps your promises, works hard every day, and, and Democrats seem to have a, a target on you more than other people. Um, when do you think you're going to make a decision about running for re-election, and what are the factors in your decision? Well, I don't have to make it anytime soon, honestly. I want to see how things play out. A big factor is, is how much of a threat do I think America uh, faces? And, and truthfully, do I really think I am the best candidate to ensure that this seat does not get turned over to Democrats? That will weigh heavily on my mind, even though, and I meant it when I pledged, I, I really was only going to run, only going to serve for two terms. I mean, I meant that. That, that would still be my preference. But I, I'm, I'm not going to step away if I think America's future really hangs in the balance and that, that I really am the best person to ensure that this seat stays in Republican hands. I mean, that, that will weigh heavily on both my wife, my wife's mind, is my, my, my mind as well. Well, I, I, I certainly hope that you stay in there because we need people that are going to fight. I think that the agenda for the, the Republican Party, I think there's some, there is, we're in the middle of a political shift, and I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I see the Democratic Party now has become the, the party of coastal elitism, and radicalism, and radical environmentalism, and redistributionism, and statism, socialism, all of that. And I, we were getting to this point where Republican policies that were about liberty and freedom and capitalism and protecting the First, Second Amendment and law and order in every town and city and, and educational choice, but, you know, the Trump policies, the Make America Great Again policies of low taxes, limited bureaucracy, secure borders— energy independence, peace through strength, trust but verify, and free and fair trade and, and health care solutions to free market solutions to, to health care, I, th- I thought were, was a perfect agenda. Uh, is that the agenda that you think is the winning agenda for Republicans to take back the House and take back the Senate? Yeah, you, you pay attention to the forgotten men and women that President Trump focused on. And that, that was his appeal. He understood how you know, so many of these trade deals were not particularly fair, and that had a real impact on normal Americans' life. And, and you're right, Sean, the, the Democrat Party is really becoming the party of the elite. And, you know, what, there's, there's really no better evidence of it than what's happening at the border right now. You know, one thing I try and point out to, to people is that Kamala Harris, who was on my community, when we held something like 30 hearings on illegal immigration and, and our unsecured border, 
and also President Biden, they know full well the depredations of the human traffickers. They, they know that their policies was going to blow a hole in the border and create a surge of people putting their lives and their children's lives in the hands of some of the most evil people on the planet, and still they're doing it. You know, completely ignoring the impact that will have on not only those illegal immigrants who are going to be abused by those human traffickers, but also ordinary Americans trying to work hard. You know, the impact, the impact of that out-of-control flow of illegal immigration in this country as well. So President Trump understood that, and he appealed to those forgotten men and women. And that is a coalition, the people that truly love this country, that know exactly what made it great. That, that's that coalition that I think any smart Republican will pay a great deal of attention to and make sure we try and make, keep that coalition together. It's a winning coalition, particularly when more, more Americans have their eyes opened up of exactly what the Biden and Democrat agenda is. Socialism, out-of-control spending and debt that will d totally ruin this country. With a thousand people estimated to be coming into this country illegally a day, and you've seen the, vi the videos, the images of kids in these Biden cages, as I call them, and on the, in the middle of a pandemic with no health checks whatsoever, uh, and then apparently transported and, and taken to other states all around the country, um, who's going to pay for housing, who's going to pay for food and health care and education, and I, why did I think that if I ever aided and abetted in lawbreaking that I'd probably be handcuffed and, and taken off to jail? It seems that, well, you have the Democrats have just decided to ignore the laws they don't like. Um, I didn't think that's how the process works, but apparently it does work that way. Well, as is always the case, it'll be the forgotten men and women of America that work hard. They'll, pay, they'll foot the bill. Not, not the Democrat elite. It'll be the forgotten men and women. But, Sean, it's, you know, I keep very close track of this as former chairman of Homeland Security Government Affairs. The average over the last 28 days is 5,900 people being apprehended at our southern border per day. Per day. 5,900 people. That's a large caravan every day. It's completely overwhelming. But they're being allowed to stay in, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, the, the Biden administration is telling CBP, process them in eight hours and, and disperse them. No COVID tests and not even a notice to appear. So, so they don't even have an obligation to, to go through an immigration process anymore. They're just being dispersed. And, 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 so, and they so there's not even a court date shadows. given. It's, it's even more extreme than catch and release. And, of course, eliminating the stay in Mexico policy on top of also eliminating um, the policy, which is to build the wall. You know who's keeping track of them, though? The human traffickers. You know, the border is 100% secure on the Mexican side. Nobody crosses without either paying the human traffickers or being indebted to them. How do you think a young, pretty little girl pays off the four to five to $10,000 uh, human trafficking fee? How, how do you think that happens? You know, what, what does she do? And again, Kamala Harris, President Biden knows exactly what happens, and they are allowing it to happen. They're incentivizing it to happen. They blew up, dismantled all the successful policies of President Trump that stopped that flow, that prevented so much human depredation in the hands of human traffickers. You really got to scratch your head and ask yourself, why is the media covering this crisis? Why aren't they pointing out the depredations and, and really the inhumanity that the, the President Biden and Vice President Harris's policies are creating? All right, we're going to let it go there. Uh, looking forward to your decision, uh, Senator Ron Johnson. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, but we got a great Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight on the Fox News Channel. Senator Tim Scott will join us. 
We'll also have a debate over his comments that have gotten so much attention, the vicious treatment by liberals, the left, social media, big tech, uh, and all the names he's been called. And that uh, Idaho police officer, you know, the one that did the video saying, uh, uh, there's a stabbing going on, LeBron. What do you think I should do here? How should I handle this? He actually got suspended. And he's going to talk to us tonight exclusively on Hannity. Uh, Dan Bongino, Geraldo Rivera, Dana Lash, much, much more. The latest on Cuomo's cover-up with Janice Dean. Fox News, 9 Eastern. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.